I once had an instructor who would reiterate one particular lesson about communication over and over. He'd always say, use precise words precisely. And while that phrase generated a lot of perplexed looks from a young and immature audience of students at the time, over a decade later, those words actually remain with me today. Our words matter. They're powerful. Words impact our messages, affect our ability to influence others, and shape how others receive us. And this applies to every kind of relationship. Today, I have many mentees and, and junior leaders entering stages of life where they are considering and, and pursuing marriage. And while I'm certainly no expert on marriage after only six years, many close mentees do seek marriage advice from my wife and me. And our first response is always that how we speak to one another and the language that we use together matters. Our words matter in leadership, intimate relationships with colleagues, our kids, and anyone that we just do life with every day. So today, let's explore 10 specific ways that we can practice communicating more intentionally in any role we fill as leader, follower, colleague, spouse, parent, mentor, and even friend. You can call these strategies or habits or whatever you'd like, but these are specific things that you can integrate into your behaviors today to use precise words more precisely. So let's get to it. I'm Josh, and welcome to the 3x5 Leadership Podcast, where we champion intentional leaders who create significant impacts. In this show, we share simple, practical strategies to help you live, lead, and learn more intentionally. You can learn more about us and check out our various resources at 3x5leadership.com. Thanks for joining us today. How we communicate with others affects how they communicate with us, and it percolates down to how they communicate with others. And within an organizational setting, that norm affects our culture, which ultimately drives our results. A little intentionality in how we talk with one another can do a lot to shape how we live, work, and enjoy being around one another. So just consider the difference between these two statements, both which aim to initiate a conversation about feedback that a supervisor intends to share with an employee. In attempt one, the supervisor says, Jesse, why did you challenge Bethany's idea in the project meeting this morning the way that you did? You made her feel invalidated in front of the whole team and you always do this at meetings, and it really ruins the team's productivity. Now, let's look at attempt two, where the supervisor presents the same feedback, but in a different, more intentional way. Here, they might say, Jesse, can you talk me through what you were thinking when you chose to challenge Bethany's idea at the project meeting this morning? I'm not sure how she felt, but I know I would have felt pretty invalidated and embarrassed if you did that to me in front of the team. And I don't think that this is the first time that this has happened. Maybe we should talk this uh, about this a little bit to ensure that we productively explore ideas during our meetings. What do you think? So it certainly sounds like Jesse's behavior needs to be addressed. But in attempt one, if I were Jesse, I'd feel pretty guarded and defensive if my supervisor said that to me. Like, I always do this and I'm ruining our productivity. I'm not meaning to, though, so now I'm more worried about the feedback than I am about actually exploring a solution with my supervisor. However, in attempt two, I feel like my supervisor is my partner in discussing this and wants to help me explore a solution for me, for Bethany, and for our team. 
And I don't feel like I'm being targeted or blamed like I did in attempt one. Again, our words matter. How we structure sentences sends signals. And pair those with our tone and, and nonverbal gestures are seemingly similar messages can be received in two very different ways. So if our words and how we use them matter so much, we should address how to communicate better. And today we're going to explore 10 specific things that we can do to help us communicate more intentionally. I want to start by helping us just mentally organize these strategies more uh, before we dig into them. I think of a pyramid that is like split into three horizontal layers uh, stacked on top of one another. The first two strategies that we look at are mental approaches that we should employ as we enter into conversation with others. They are ways to frame our perspective before we even start communicating. These serve as just the, the foundation of our pyramid. Next is the middle layer of the pyramid, which builds upon those mental approaches. And these are four simple do's and don'ts to keep uh, in mind as we engage in communication. Just think of them as simple, general rules to follow. And finally, the tip of the pyramid is four specific phrases we can use in a variety of different conversations. These are phrases that I regularly employ to make conversations productive, inclusive, healthy, and fair. And I think that they can serve you well as you work to engage in intentional conversation with others, no matter the situation or type of relationship. Now, let's start with our pyramid foundation and the two mental approaches to maintain. Remember these before we even begin to engage in dialogue with others. Strategy one is to always seek to understand the other person first and then be understood by them. So many arguments, disagreements, or hard conversations go poorly because we are more focused on winning or making our point known than anything else. And when we care more about getting our point across, we fail to be considerate of the other person, to respect them, and appreciate the whole situation to include their perspective. So before we initiate a conversation, let's pause, take a breath, and remember to aim to understand them first before we attempt to have our views understood. Not only does it show care, consideration, and respect for the other person, but it prevents us from prematurely diagnosing the problem and, and presenting a solution, which is just likely is, does not even touch the heart of the issue. We so easily have a tendency to rush in and want to fix the issue with quick advice. But in doing so, we often fail to truly diagnose the issue understand the heart of the conflict, or just fully appreciate the other person's perspective and needs. Moreover, as Stephen Covey claims in, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, when we really listen, we become influenceable. And becoming influenceable is the key to being able to influence others. So for strategy one, let's focus on questions. How can we ask more questions, better questions, to appreciate the other person's side of things? How can we pour into them just a little bit longer to see them, appreciate them, value their perspective, and understand the situation before we rush in with our own thoughts or solutions? Seek to understand and then be understood. Strategy two aims to help us uh, work through that, through the people that frustrate us, that get under our skin, or simply just seem impossible to have productive conversations with. It's for those people in our lives that make us think just like, ugh, I can't with them. How do we be the bigger person and still try to love them and not judge them? Strategy two leads us to ask, 
What need is this person looking to satisfy with their behavior right now? This is a healthier, more productive and caring approach to take rather than just judging or or, um, devolving the conversation, just playing into the other person's antics. So what do I mean uh, with this question of what need are they trying to fill? Here's an example. Uh, I once was having lunch with a few work colleagues and, and during our conversation, the topic of our recent organizational holiday formal came up, which I had the opportunity to serve as the MC for. And one colleague at the lunch started on a kind of a mini rant about how he heard that all my jokes weren't funny, uh, they fell flat with the audience, and I just really wasn't successful in hosting the evening. And while I know it certainly wasn't a perfect evening, um, I definitely felt like I was successful in my MC duties that night, though. And the other colleagues at lunch just reinforced that sentiment, um, giving kind words of affirmation and support. And the point obviously isn't about how I did at emceeing that night and if I was successful or not, but about how I chose to respond to my ostracizing colleague uh, there at lunch. Rather than getting annoyed, frustrated, or, or playing into the degrading conversation, I paused and asked myself, what personal need is he filling right now by saying these things to me? And in that hasty thought process, I realized that his comments were likely more about himself and his possible need to feel validated by the group through tearing me down a little bit. And asking that question and and taking that pause allowed me to be more patient, gracious, and even open to the feedback. So I encourage you to build a habit to, in the moment, take a pause and ask yourself, what need are they fulfilling through this behavior right now? It'll help you keep the conversation productive. Okay, now we get into the middle layer of our conversation strategies pyramid here. These next four strategies focus on some general and broad recommended do's and don'ts in conversation. Strategy three is to always focus conversations like uh, disagreements or conflicts on the issue at hand and not to make it about the other person. Bottom line, never attack or make the problem about the other person's character, intentions, or emotions. Think about how the conversation would progress following a statement like, I hear that you're upset about the plan to visit my family this holiday instead of yours, versus maybe the statement of, why are you bringing this up again? Why do you always have such a problem visiting my family? Now, if it were me, that latter statement leads me to become much more defensive and likely to respond in equally petty ways, just spiraling the conversation further and further out of control. So focus on the topic and never make it about attacking the other person. It is possible to argue with care, consideration, and love. Next, strategy four takes a step further to ensure that we don't overgeneralize our statements. Let's go back to the previous argument uh, about where the family spends the holiday. A very common type of negative um, comment usually sounds like, why are you bringing this up again? You always have such a problem with visiting my family. I don't understand why. Adding generalizations like that, like you always, or conversely, you never, automatically leads the the other person to move into a very defensive mode, feeling like they have to justify themselves or, or worse, lashing out in return. 
refrain from using overgeneralizations like always and never when we are see, uh, addressing other people's behaviors. Strategy five now encourages us to use what I'll call collective pronouns versus individual ones. In situations where you're sharing feedback or, or asking questions to better understand a topic, consider using pronouns like we or us instead of you. So let's look at the scenario from the beginning of the episode with uh, Jesse's supervisor addressing how he confronted Bethany in that team meeting. If we adjusted the comments to use collective pronouns, it could sound something like this. Jesse, can we talk through what we were thinking when we chose to challenge Bethany's idea at the project meeting this morning? I'm not sure how she felt, but I know I would have felt pretty invalidated and embarrassed if you did that to me in front of the team. Maybe we could talk about this a little bit to ensure that we productively explore ideas during future meetings. What do you think? By integrating a few collective we pronouns into the statement, the supervisor sends subtle but really important signals that they are Jesse's partner in this discussion. Jesse and his supervisor are on the same team now, working together to find a solution. It's not Jesse versus his supervisor, it's Jesse exploring the topic together with his supervisor. Adding those signals of inclusion and partnership can really encourage a more vulnerable and productive conversation. Okay, strategy six, which is the final like do and don't for this part of the pyramid, is to not initiate conversations, whether they're verbal, over text message or email, with short statements of like, hey, we need to talk, or come see me, or, hey, can we talk? I don't know about you, but these attempts at initiating conversation really frustrate me. Can you just not give me any context to the conversation so that I can frame it, maybe get some perspective, or even just prepare a little bit? Initiations like this show either laziness or a lack of respect from the sender. And they can create overwhelming anxiety and an emotional burden on that recipient too. So instead of we need to talk or come see me, let's try even to just add a, one simple sentence of additional context to our statement. It doesn't have to be complicated either. Uh, it can be one sentence like, hey, X, Y, and Z thing has been on my mind and I'd like for us to talk about it uh, if you're open to it. Something like that gives me clarity, context, and puts me more at ease. And I'm better able to welcome the request and respond confidently. Okay, now these final four strategies uh, make up the tip of our conversation pyramid and are phrases that I like to use to positively contribute to conversations. And some are about helping us listen better too, not just simply talk better. Okay, strategy seven is a favorite phrase uh, between my wife and I that we use very often and uh, that we learned from Brene Brown. The phrase is, the story I'm telling myself is. This phrase signals to, one, uh, to the other person that I'm sharing how I see it or that I'm filling in gaps of what still remains unsaid between us right now with my own perceptions. That is a clear way to communicate our perspective to someone else but in a non-threatening way. It invites the other person to fill those gaps, to validate the perspective that we shared, or attempt to uh, reframe it for us. It's inviting, not attacking. So, 
consider the story I'm telling myself is. Strategy eight. Uh, it's a close relative to this previous strategy, but it offers a simpler approach uh, than the full phrase of the story I'm telling myself is. That whole phrase may not always be appropriate in the moment, or people really honestly might feel uncomfortable using it. So instead, we can look to use phrases like, I feel, or how I see it is. These often achieve the same effect of inviting the other person to validate our perspective or, or help reframe it, but just in subtler ways. These are great alternatives to the earlier shared do's and, uh, do's and don'ts of attacking the other person's character or overgeneralizing too. Uh, instead of projecting onto the other person with comments like, you always, or why do you, we can be vulnerable by sharing how we see things first to invite the other person to join in our vulnerability. I've often found that vulnerability begets vulnerability. And I do have one caution with this strategy, though, especially with the phrase, I feel. This can be a hard phrase for certain populations, like women, to successfully employ in the workplace, unfortunately. I once had a female mentee who um, just was in a new management position where she had a, a new 100-person team reporting to her. And in her earlier experiences, she began to have conflict with one of her male direct reports who just seemed to kind of regularly challenge her decisions. And in attempting to engage the issue in a, in a healthy and productive way, she used the strategy of saying, I feel that, to share her perspective. But this mentee found that that strategy backfired on her uh, with the more aggressive male uh, direct report because he would respond with comments like, why do you have to get emotional about this by sharing your feelings? Why can't we just focus on the issue? And while hearing about that afterwards was, was pretty frustrating for me, uh, it did help me to appreciate the disparities that different demographics can experience in these type of situations. Demographics like gender, race, age, experience, or rank within the organization can all affect how others receive us. And though I share these strategies to hopefully enable you to lead more productive and positive discussions, there may be dark sides to these based on um, who they're coming from. So it, it's worth being cognizant of that. Okay, strategy nine uh, is about sharing feedback. Giving and receiving feedback can be some of the most sensitive types of conversations that we engage in. Because it is so unnormalized in our organizations, the novelty of feedback when it does happen uh, makes us uncomfortable, like we're in trouble or something. Feedback is hard. So if we're in the situation to deliver feedback, I encourage us to just make it as safe, comfortable, and as welcoming as possible to set conditions for a great discussion around it. My preferred way to start that conversation is by asking the question, can I share some truth in love? A request to share feedback worded that way sends three important messages. First, it clearly transitions the conversation, allowing the person to know that without a doubt, we are entering into a very deliberate conversation. Second, it communicates that we intend to share some hard truth, but it is exactly that, truth. It's not drama, emotions, subjective perceptions, or unhelpful advice. We're focused on getting to the root issue and disclosing the truth between us to make us better. And then third, uh, this is all done out of love. Love for you, love for the team, and a desire to see both become better. 
And like several other strategies so far, it's an invitation for a great discussion. Okay. Finally, strategy 10 is about listening. What can we do to show that we are listening, that we're engaged, and we care about what they are saying? For me, I turn um, to four simple phrases, and I say them often. And these phrases are, that makes sense, I hear you, that's valid, and that's fair. Though no more than three words, these affirmations send powerful signals uh, that we see the other person, that we validate them, support them, and appreciate their perspective. And oftentimes, it's much more important than what we actually say. So, remember the phrases and use them. Phrases like, that makes sense, I hear you, that's valid, that's fair. I hope these 10 strategies can serve you well as you endeavor to improve how you communicate with other people. Our words matter. What we say and how we say it sends signals. And these all impact how we work with others and shape how they experience us as leaders, how they experience their work and life. And like we explored at the beginning of this episode, how we communicate with others affects how they communicate with us. It affects how they communicate with one another. And that affects the relationship or our team culture. It improves relational intimacy and cohesion and productivity. And through our communication, we can improve people's quality of life. So I encourage you to, uh, to try these strategies out at work, at home, and with friends. And work incrementally. You certainly do not need to start trying all of the things right now. If just like one of the strategies really resonated with you when you heard it today, start there. That simple emotional pull will be compelling enough to get you started. So as we close, just three quick notes. One, uh, if you like today's episode, uh, I encourage you, please give us a like, a review, and a follow. Two, uh, if you'd like to learn more about 3x5 Leadership and, and to subscribe uh, for new content updates via email, you can do that at our website, uh, which is 3x5leadership.com. That's 3x5leadership.com. And then finally, if you're interested in supporting 3x5 and even getting more from the team, uh, we encourage you to check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash 3x5leadership.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash 3x5leadership.com. Again, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your leadership. And thanks for showing up every day to be an intentional leader for others. I'm Josh. Until next time, take care, lead well.